is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 471, recorded on Tuesday, February 25th, 2020. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the program. Uh, We are here, of course, to resume our coverage of season 10 of The Walking Dead when we break down episode 9. So that is fantastic. I'm excited to do that. Uh, But to start, I just want to welcome back everyone who doesn't really listen over the hiatus or over the off season. So it's good to have you back. And um, it's it's nice to get back into the regular routine here. Yeah, well, it's good to be back. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't listen during the off season. No, I know. I mean, I know we podcast and everything, but I usually don't listen to what I say. Barely. Yeah, don't pay attention at all. Really just not interested, of course. Well, um, so welcome back, everyone. If there's any new listeners that are just finding us, also welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy what we do here. But um, I, I wanted to do a couple of things before we get started. And the first is to mention that the last episode we did, if in case you actually don't listen you know, when The Walking Dead's not on. The last episode we did was an Ask Us Anything type episode where listeners just sent in their questions about The Walking Dead or anything else they could think of. And we answered lots of them. So mm-hmm. it w- it was really fun. And if you are looking for something to listen to or you missed that because you, you tuned out, uh, I recommend going back and checking it out. It, it's fun to do and hopefully it's fun to listen to. I got an email here from Brian in Cape Coral, and Brian said, I pretty much really enjoyed your Ask Us Anything (laughs) podcast and would love to hear more of these in the future. However, boy, oh boy, do I wish Darlene B. had never asked that Rob Zombie question. (laughs) (laughs) Aw, that was one of my favorite questions. But you know what? I know, mine mine too, but I I just kind of want to leave it at that. And if you're interested in what that means... Go back to our last podcast, number 470, Ask Us Anything, and you can hear the Rob Zombie question. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, I started laughing because the, the email starts off with, I pretty much enjoyed your... Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, well, I, and, and it sounds like he pretty much did, so there you go. That's excellent. Okay, two more things, Jason. I want to wish you and everyone a happy National Clam Chowder Day. Clam Chowder Day. Clam frickin' Chowder Day. It's today. <sighs> yeah, okay. Well, that makes me sad for two reasons. <laughs> I, I know one of them. <laughs> yeah. My, one of them, my uh, my wife is allergic to shellfish, so uh, no clam chowder in, in the house. Uh-huh. And two, it's too late for me to go out and get clam chowder now. Oh. So yeah. I wish I knew that so I could be away from the house for the four to six hours it would take me to... Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, know find, get the smell of clam chowder off of me or, or find a place that sells it near you. <laughs> I'm sure that that can't be hard. Can it? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but today, February 25th is national clam chowder day. And I, I, the best clam chowder I ever had was in Seattle, Washington at well, a place. Well, I mean, I don't know if, of course, like sure. They're on the coast, on the ocean. They're near the ocean. Of course. It's a good start. Absolutely good start. I don't know that Seattle is known for its clam chowder, but I went to a place 
right in the Pike Place Market in downtown Seattle called Jack's Fish Spot. And they have a little counter there that you can just walk up and get clam chowder and other, you know, seafood and stuff various like that. Chowders. Ver- various chowders. Various chowders. Yeah. Various chowders and slurries. Yeah. Okay, Shout gotcha. airs. And I ordered some of their clam chowder and I just walked around eating it out of a cup. It was the best I ever had. And I highly recommend it. So if you're in Seattle or you're going to Seattle, check that out. I would always, always go to a place with a name like Jack's Fish Place over any other fish store uh, shop name. Yeah, I've yeah. tried going to Red Lobster twice, hated it both times. Oh, I'll never sucks. go back. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, Jack's Fish Place I'd go to. Yeah, Jack's Fish Spot. Fit, fit even better. Yeah. Totally. If it was Jack's fish bucket, I would I would probably pack my bags and get on a plane. <laughs> I'd just move in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'd go. I'd go right now. Yeah, well, not yeah. right now, but maybe on the weekend. All right. Well, anyways, National Clam Chowder Day. So everyone go out and grab some clam chowder if that's your thing and it, you're not allergic to shellfish. Uh, it uh, Hopefully you will enjoy it. Yeah. If, it, if there's ever a corn chowder day, I'm in. Oh, there you go. Good one. I also, do enjoy a good corn chowder. Also good. Yeah. All right, finally, before we get into the episode, it's your birthday tomorrow, so I wanted to say happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to your wife that was yesterday. Uh-huh. And to my wife, which was four days ago. We are right in a birthday sandwich, actually. Yeah, my wife's are. was yesterday, yours is tomorrow. Today is the day off. Yeah, well, there's other, there's many other birthdays. My mom's birthday, I have an aunt who has a birthday. I have two cousins that have birthdays around here. Uh, my stepfather's wife. Whose birthday is around here sometime? My stepfather's birthday. Uh, not my stepfather. My father-in-law. My father-in-law's wife and my father-in-law <laughs> both have your stepfather. Interesting uh, confusion there, but anyways, yeah. Well, whatever. And uh, yeah, so there's this. This is uh, the end of February has a very large cluster of birthdays. Well, happy birthday to everyone, but most notably you, who <laughs> turns thirty-eight tomorrow. So happy birthday. Yeah, it's like my 10th annual 38th birthday. Uh, <laughs> Something like And Johnny that. Cash. Don't forget Johnny Cash is, shares a birthday with me and Erica Badu. Oh, and, wow. And uh, yeah, all kinds of good stuff. All right. Well, there you go. And that- my friend Daryl. <laughs> good. Don't want to forget him. Yeah. Okay. Well, that uh, covers all of the announcements and pre-show gibberish. So let's get into our recap of season 10, episode 9 of The Walking Dead. Squeeze. Achoo. Squeeze me. Squeeze. All right. Thank you, Dennis and Elena in Moscow and Val in Frenchtown, New Jersey, and also Lee in St. Catharines for those title reads. Frenchtown? Is that a real place? Well, it could be Frenchton, I guess, but it's spelled like Frenchtown. So Frenchtown, New Jersey. That's awesome. I know. I I like it. I had no idea. I mean, I'm sort of tempted to call it Frenchton, but it's spelled French town. So yeah, well, there you go. Is what it is. All right. Well, Jason, if you recall, uh, the last episode of the walking dead ended with a good chunk of our main characters running blindly into a cave and falling into a big hole full of zombies. Yeah. As our, or as I like to call it, the big stupid cave, the big stupid cave. That's right. And that's where we pick up this episode. We, you know, start this one right there in that cave. They're still stuck in there. They're shining flashlights around. They're wondering what to do. And Alpha is watching them from above. So somehow she has stayed up on 
you know, a platform higher up while everyone else has fallen in and she's looking down on them. She locks eyes with Carol, who sees her up there. Carol screams at her out of, you know, just absolute rage. And we cut to Alpha coming out of the cave and she instructs some whisperers to make sure they don't get out. Yeah, I was confused by Carol. Because she gave, she gave uh, Alpha exactly what she wanted. Like, even Alpha was smiling when, when Carol was uh, rage yelling. So it's, it, it's like giving Alpha exactly the piece of enjoyment that she would want in that situation. Yeah, so. I guess you're right. I mean, Alpha, uh, it, it's, it just sort of indicates that this has frustrated her enemies to no end, right? And Carol is just expressing it that way in a scream straight at her. Right. And yeah. then when Alpha comes out, she comes out of a mine shaft. She does right? come out of a mine shaft. So it turns out they're in a mine, which we don't really find out until no, later. No, it's not a mine. It's a cave next to a mine. Oh, sorry. Yeah. They make their way into a mine later, right? Yeah. Which, yeah. Which I'll have comments on. All right. Good. Well, Alpha's outside. She instructs those whispers, as I said, to make sure they don't get out. And then she drops a flaming torch on the ground as she walks away. And I was kind of wondering if this shot of the torch on the ground was significant in any way, but I've sort of decided that I don't think it is. Yeah, not really. I, I you know, it could be indicative of, she, you know, she just wants the, the world to burn. Like, why wouldn't mm-hmm. you hand off the torch or put it out or save it? But she just drops it on the ground willy-nilly, like, I don't need that thing anymore. No. Uh, well burn the whole fucking place down. Well, yeah, amongst, like, dry leaves and things like that. So, um, that's it. But we go to the well, open. Torches are weird, you know? Torches don't work. I don't know if you've ever tried to make a torch. No. Have you ever, uh, in my experience, mind you, my, uh, 12 year old experience. So, uh, you know, that was the last time I tried to make a torch, but they last for, you know, a couple of minutes. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't have a real source of combustible material. Yeah. You can't just wrap rags around a stick and then soak it in. I don't even know what at this point, cause they ran out of gasoline. What else do they have? I don't know. Yeah. It's fire spit, a fire, you know, alcohol, you know, why waste alcohol? But anyway, all right. So you just light this thing on fire. It's going to burn for a little while and go out. Well, maybe that's what she's counting on. She drops it on the ground. It's like, ah, it'll be fine. It'll just go out later. Yeah. That's what I do with torches. Now. So, yeah. So we go to the opening credits and we come back. We are still in the cave. Magna is trying to climb up, but she can't make it. And they decide that it's too high to climb. The others are killing a few zombies that are in that pit, kind of nipping at their feet. And they notice some rock platforms amongst the zombies that they can use to jump across uh-huh. to the other side. Yeah. So as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, they're going to do some platforming. Right. You know? It becomes a platform game. It becomes, and I knew this whole thing would be a silly video game type episode. I just knew <laughs> it. Yeah. It, it sort of goes that way at times for sure. So Daryl goes first. And then Carol, followed by the rest of them, um, except that Connie is worried about Kelly's ankle. And I had to think back about her ankle and wonder when she injured it. Was that in the mid-season finale? I assume there's continuity here. Can we just go with that? (laughs) (laughs) It's probably a good thing. Assume continuity. Um, But she has a bad ankle. Anyways, but Kelly jumps and she slips on the first rock and almost doesn't make it. Um, And then Carol also has a close call in the last jump. Yeah. 
So, but they ultimately they make it off. Uh, and it's very lucky that none of the zombies in the pit decided to close their hands when they were reaching for all of our intrepid heroes as they were platforming across the uh, the pit of zombies. They just sort of slap at their ankles and not they were just kind of reaching out and you know touching and pawing and you know being very gentle and careful. Uh, they were not grabbing and pulling and uh, any of that stuff until the very end when it became. Uh, a plot point or at least a point of uh, tension. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, the other thing that happens is Jerry chops a zombie's arm off after he gets across. And then speaking of torches, Daryl picks it up or grabs it and uses and lights it up to use as a torch. Yeah. Cause that would work. Cause that would work. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I do also have to question the concept of open flames in a cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause first of all, you're burning up the oxygen. Second of all, there might be like combustible gases in there, right? I mean, I guess there could be, yeah. So you're in enclosed space. Like you wouldn't, you know, fire up a torch inside your basement, right? Well, probably not, but I'm pretty, well, I'm fairly confident there's no combustible gases in here. I hope there's not. Yeah. So if you're in an enclosed space, no open flames. This is the problem, though, with doing an entire episode inside a cave. First of all, there would be no light in there. It would be pitch black, but you can't shoot a TV show in pitch black darkness, right? So you need yeah. some kind of light source. And I think you just kind of have to accept the idea that they're going to have to use fire to create that light source. So pitch black, I can, the fact that this would be pitch black and they can't film a TV show in pitch black. I understand that. And that's fine yeah. because any shots of open forest in the middle of the night has mood lighting from the ground up, right? Of course. Any movie television show will have background lights lighting the scenery. But you can explain that with moonlight. You can't explain you, moonlight. Not from the ground it. up. Oh, okay. Right? Fine. There's lights going up that, and that you just have to accept that as part of the theater, right? It's the theater of the, uh, of the show, the theatrical aspect of it. So that I can live with. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's just all the open flames in the, in this obvious, uh, it was almost as, almost as bad as Star Trek, like the, the <laughs> planet hell. I think I talked about planet hell in Star Trek before that studio they always used for planet side services, uh -huh. but always got too hot where they built all these weird cave systems and, uh, things for the actors to walk on while they filmed them. It's just, I'm going to just make a blanket statement. Now I fucking hated all of it. Every single moment that took place inside this cave, I absolutely despised and it made me angry. It made me concerned about how angry I was getting. Oh, and geez. I had to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. It's like, and I'm, it's making me wonder about my day and how everything is going today because I was thinking to myself, I shouldn't be this angry about a television show. I need to take a break. Okay. Well, that's, that's fair. At least you can recognize that. I'm going to say that I didn't love most of the stuff in the cave, but it didn't make me angry in the same way that it sounds like yeah. it did for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, and I can't in all good honesty and uh, consciousness, consciousness, conscience, mm -hmm. uh, entirely blame it on the show. Sure. You had a rough day today. A, I'm having a bleak day. I, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So I couldn't blame it on the show, but I really disliked it. Got it. Okay. That's well, it. That's all I'm going to say. 
We'll move on. All right. Well, I have a holy crap here. Sam on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see the Tremors uh, homage? The jumping from boulder to boulder to escape the walkers instead of graboids. And I didn't think of that at the time, but I, I guess maybe it was. Yeah. I've seen Tremors, the first one. I've never seen any of the sequels, uh-huh. like none of them, but I've seen Tremors like 20, 30 times. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's good. It's like an amazing show, a movie. I love it. Good movie. I haven't seen it in a long or in a long time, a number of years. Anyways, uh, our group makes their way deeper down a tunnel. Uh, you know, Daryl goes ahead while the others wait and Aaron starts to wonder how much food they have. As they're chatting, Carol seems to be in some kind of distress. And then Daryl comes back and mentions that she's claustrophobic. And so Magna aggressively questions Carol about getting them into this mess and, you know, how it's all her fault and stuff like that. But Daryl and Aaron defend her by saying, you know, now's not the time. We just have to focus on getting out of here. But yeah, Carol being claustrophobic, this is new, right? Well, I mean, how often do we get into a situation where they're in an enclosed space and trapped? I suppose. Right? Yeah. It just it hasn't, really hasn't come up before. It's, you know, the you know, good majority of this show takes place outside mm-hmm. and the parts that don't take place outside take place in a house and I'm claustrophobic and I'm okay in a house. <laughs> yeah. I would not be okay in a cave. I would not go into a cave. Sure. You probably couldn't get me into a cave. Uh, I'd have to lure you in somehow with a, I don't know what even. (laughs) It would be tough. I'm sure we could talk about it and come up with a couple of things, but it would be tough. All right. Fair. (laughs) Well, I, I, I don't necessarily mean that that's bad, but this is just something new that we didn't know about Carol before. It's, it's a personality disorder or maybe not disorder, but a trait that hasn't come up on the show before. So now it's a, it's a phobia. It's irrational. That's fine. And it happens to certain number of people. Sure. Yeah, I can. uh, And it, 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 and it doesn't come up all that often. Right. You generally aren't in really tight and closed spaces, I guess. Yeah. And I recognize that about myself and I wouldn't willingly get myself into that situation. Sure. I don't think Carol is in this situation willingly. No, absolutely not. So, and I think that the, the best time to not attack somebody, uh, you know, verbally is when they're having some kind of panic attack because that can't go well. Yeah. So I agree. It's not the time. I mean, sure you can verbally berate her later, but, uh, she's freaking out. So give her some space maybe. Sure. And she's probably not going to even, I mean, if, if she's in that much distress, She's not even going to really react appropriately to whatever criticism you're laying on her, you know? So yeah. it's, it's Panic not attacks are not trivial things. They're serious. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. My dad told me once that he had a minor panic attack and he thought he was having a heart attack and dying, but. Yeah. My look, mother just told me about didn't. a panic attack that she had recently. Her boyfriend took her fishing and put her in like hip waders and took her out into the water and thought she thought she was going to die. And she had to get out of there and it was dark. It was like four o'clock in the morning. She's in the middle of this raging river in these goddamn hip waders. Uh, she was pretty sure she was going to die. Wow. It took her like three days to recover. Jeez, man. Maybe that wasn't the best choice for a date night. Yeah. Yeah. They're not doing that again. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, we go to a commercial on the show and we, when we return, we've got Negan uh, hanging out with Gamma in the Whisperer camp. Alpha and Beta come to get Gamma and 
Alpha tells them about the small group who were looking for the horde and that they knew exactly where to look. So Alpha thinks there's a spy within the Whisperer colony. And she asks Gamma to take a message to the border that they've failed. Basically, they haven't found the horde. And while they're having this conversation, Negan appears to be watching them. But it was kind of unclear to me at this point whether he heard the conversation or he was just watching from a distance. But Maybe he reads lips. Yeah, maybe. And the reason I hesitated there was, you know, Alpha and uh, Beta were both wearing masks. And I think it would be hard to read lips in that situation. But but Gamma was not, right? Gamma was not. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, it wasn't clear to me. I mean, later on, it's pretty clear that he did hear the conversation, but uh, I think I think that's what we're supposed to take away from it because the whole point is later on he talks about the spy and he gives Alpha some information, but we'll get to that. We go back underground and they've sort of come to an underground like clearing or a wider section of this cave. Uh, <laughs> caves open up. Okay. Well, I'll give it to them. Yeah. Yeah. Caves open up a little bit. It just the only problem is there was a, like a lot of stalactites and a couple of stalagmites Uh huh. and the rest of the floor was nice and flat and even ish. Yeah. Well, and caves no, don't do that. Yeah. This I, one. I, I, I said I would stop bitching about the cave. Okay. We can move on. Let's just say this one did do that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we've got Daryl and Carol, they're talking about her claustrophobia and how she's been unpredictable and kind of difficult lately. And, and Daryl says he can't trust her to make smart decisions. And all he wants is for her to open up to him and always talk to him about what's going on with her. You know, he's been saying that kind of repeatedly for a little while now, every time Carol does something that he doesn't agree with. But you can't force that either. If no. someone's having issues and they're not able to open up because of, uh, you know, personal trauma or some kind of, uh, uh, issue that they're having, you can't force them out of their issue. It's, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's mental illness. It's not, uh, stubbornness. To- totally. And I get that, but I also am a little bit, it, to me, it also, it kind of feels like they've been having this conversation repeatedly for, the last few episodes or maybe the whole season in, in different words, he's kind of been telling her, you know, I'm here for you open up to me. And I, and I understand why it's difficult, but I think we get it now and we don't, we can, I don't know, just move on or, or express this in a, in a different way somehow. So I feel like this is a little bit repetitive between these two characters. Right. Um, but Daryl also mentions that he has Aaron, quote, running around with that skin freak. So the relationship that Aaron has been fostering with Gamma at the border is clearly a tactic that they have planned and talked about. It's not just Aaron going out there and doing a thing on his own. Right. So I think that was important. Uh, Carol continues about not wanting to just kill Alpha. She wants to hurt her. She wants to make her beg for forgiveness and then kill her, like really get some revenge. and. You know, Daryl responds by saying that she has to promise that they're on the same team and that they fight for the future, not for revenge. Right. Right. What he's saying is make the right decisions. Don't do things that are rash and stupid and getting yourself in trouble or getting everyone else in trouble or dead or whatever. Yeah. That's exactly what Rose said in the last, uh, one of the last Star Wars movies. 
she said, uh, don't fight against what you hate, fight for what you love. See, it's, it's a, it's a good theme. I like that theme actually, to be honest, that was one of my favorite bits of, uh, what was that? The, the, the middle Star Wars movie. Yeah. The rise of the middle Star Wars movie. <laughs> it wasn't the last one. It was <laughs> the last Jedi. Yeah. Right. Not the last one, but the last, the middle one that was called the last one. And then the last one was called the rise of something, something. Yeah. The, the titles are all fucked up. It's not as bad as those three, uh, planet of the apes movies that were all titled poorly. So we know, or, or the, uh, the Jay Bon and Singa, uh, governor <laughs> books, right? The road to Woodbury and then the rise of the governor were mixed up. Like there were, they could, you could have flipped the titles and everything would have been fine. I, I love Jay. He's a great guy. We've hung out a lot. I've done numerous panels with the dude. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I, I hope, I, I figure he probably wasn't totally involved in the naming of those No, books. those, that seems like a, uh, a publisher yeah. thing. Let's yeah. call it, it's like, but that, but don't, we're calling it this. Yeah. But that's not, but what? <laughs> Come <laughs> <Shut> on. Up. <laughs> Shut up and take the money. <laughs> and like me, he probably said, okay. Fine. Have it your way. Yeah. Anyways, Carol promises that, you know, she's on Daryl's team and that she's going to be good. Now, meanwhile, Magna is roaming around busy looking for a way out and she's reaching into crevices with a burning match. And I had to think yeah. about this for a second, but tell me if I'm wrong, Jason, what she's doing is looking for drafts, right? Yeah, that's what Daryl was doing uh, before the last commercial break. He had the match and he was going from one uh, opening to another Looking for a breeze. Looking for a breeze because that would indicate uh, a, can, an open passage to the uh, surface. Yeah, which is exactly what Gandalf was doing uh, when they were sitting uh, at the near the entrance of the Mines of Moria after the, the door collapsed. He was sitting there and they're like, well, what are you doing? It's like, I'm trying to figure out which way to go. It's like, well, how can you tell? I don't know yet. And eventually he says, let's go this way. It's like, why are we going this way? doesn't smell as bad this way. <laughs> Fair enough. Which probably means fresh air. Fresh or air. Or less goblins. <laughs> Either way, it's a good thing. Either way, wise choice. Yeah, of course. Now, while Magna's doing this, all of a sudden, a zombie comes at her and she screams and we go to commercial. When we return, the rest of the gang comes running. Meanwhile, some more bad guys have shown up and it turns out it's not zombies, it's whisperers and our group just kills them all. Oh, I assumed... Uh, that it was a whisper that was coming for Magna to, at the beginning. I didn't think it was a zombie. Well, to be honest, we didn't get a good enough look at what it was. And um, because there were so many zombies down in there anyways, I kind of thought, oh, zombie attack, uh, you know, stealth zombie. But I should have known probably that it was whispers, considering the scene earlier when Alpha says, make sure they don't get out. The, the zombie was coming at her with a knife. Well, could you see the knife? Yeah, I saw the knife. Pre-commercial? I, I, yeah, I okay. saw the knife. Yeah, then that's what, why I assumed, and I was just, uh, I'm scrubbing through the episode as we talk, and uh, yeah, that, that zombie had a knife. Okay, I didn't notice, I couldn't, or I missed the knife. It was pretty dark, to be honest, most of this episode, but I didn't see the knife, so I didn't, uh, didn't realize it was a zombie at first. But as soon as the commercial is done and we come back to the show, it's clear 
what's going on yeah. anyways. I figured, uh, like she was sticking the match through a hole looking for a breeze. I figured for sure that, uh, one of the, uh, the whispers would be grabbing her hand from the other side. Yeah. Hand would come out. That's, I'm yeah. kind of surprised that didn't happen. <laughs> well, I'm glad that they subverted expectations a little bit there. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. After they kill all these whisperers, uh, they run somewhere else in the cave and they find an arrow carved into a rock. So Jerry, being the smart guy that he is, realizes that this must be a way out or at least, a, you know, a, a road sign, as he says, towards a way out. Yeah. They, the whisperers should have been smarter than that and used some kind of random glyph rather than, you know, an arrow. Right. Which everybody would understand. <laughs> Just a basic code like very basic it's like follow the triangles yeah. right doesn't mean yeah you know which way to go and that's that's uh how i played minecraft i don't know if you've played minecraft right even with your kids a little bit i mean i've mostly watched the kids play minecraft but yeah i, I understand the game they ever go into a cave system and get lost and go dad how do i get out of here uh no because they play on a mode where they can just fly and dig through anything and whatever. Oh, i see yeah so if you're in a cave system in Minecraft, it's hard to tell where you're going and what's going on. So what I do is as I'm going into the cave, I always put the torches on the left. So oh. if I need to get the fuck out of the cave, I just follow the, make sure the torches are on the right. And if they're always on the right, I find my way out. Smart guy. So, yeah. So that's how you do it. You don't point arrows because, especially if you're trying to do it in a clandestine manner, you put glyphs on saying, you know, go to the left or go to the right. And everybody agrees on a code. That's great. It's a good idea. Or, or put arrows and have them mean something different. Right. They're always, you know, they're always 90 degrees off. So if the arrow's pointing left, go straight. If the arrow's pointing up, you know, go to the right. Well, the whispers don't seem to be that smart. So our group follows the arrow the way it's pointing. And that's apparently the right way to go. Awesome. Yes. So we go back outside. Negan approaches Alpha in their camp. Now, Alpha is, let's just say, using the facilities? Taking a dump. Jeez. I think this is the phrase you're looking for. Okay, fine. And he says that he heard about the spy lurking in the woods. So I think, I guess he could hear their, uh, their conversation before this kind of confirms that. Yeah, if he's got good, such good hearing, he probably heard her taking a dump oh, and followed probably. the sound. Well, we did as the audience, or at least we heard <laughs> something. Uh, Negan says to her that it's probably somebody in the camp, and he thinks his past experiences gives him some insight into how to handle this situation. Uh, and he suggests that it is probably Gamma, because she's close to Alpha, but also close to the enemy, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe the enemy has gotten to her. Um, Alpha puts a knife to Negan's crotch and threatens to cut off his balls if he says anything. Yeah. I thought at this moment she was coming onto him. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think maybe she was, but I didn't think that at this moment. <laughs> I, I did. I, I honestly did. I'm like, oh, yeah. uh, she is, is putting a knife to his balls and thinking, oh. Right. But then she pushes in, pushes him into the shitting hole. Or whatever the, you want the, to call it. The the cleanest pile of shit I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah, fair, but. Driest. I mean, these people are living out in the woods, drinking water right out of a stream. This thing is going to be a pond. I don't want to think about it that much. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but he falls in. And, yeah, he's, uh, he's fine because it's a dry, it looks like it's a uh, an old cow pasture 
uh, you know, all the, the cow patties that have been piled up and, and drying in order to turn into fuel for fires. Yeah. Well, either way, I don't really want to fall into it, but Negan falls into it. Yeah. We go back underground. Uh, the group is continuing to make their way through the passageways. Daryl is following some footsteps. So clearly they're on the right track. And it's a really narrow passage now. So Carol is kind of quietly freaking out. She is not handling this very well. Uh, Connie takes her hand and tells her that she'll lead her and Carol, or sorry, she'll lead them through and Carol can close her eyes. And then she spells out, you are okay on Carol's hand, which I thought, I thought was really nice. Yeah, this is, this is a really nice moment between the two of them. So they all push through, including Jerry, who's nearly too large to fit, you know, big Jerry. Um, eventually they're crawling or kind of sliding on their bellies through a very, very narrow flat passageway. Yeah. They instantly go from an incredibly vertical squeezed passageway, which is taller than everybody, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, with a perfectly flat footing to completely, uh, horizontal with, uh, completely flat on the, on the bottom and very wide. Well, I mean, we can assume there's, there's a little bit of time passed there. I suppose they've, they've come through to a section that they need to shimmy through on their stomachs. Yeah. Okay. I'm not talking about the cave. (laughs) Yes. I just thought that everything was very, um, horizontal and vertical and perfect and sure. Seemed a little convenient. Well, in any case, Jerry is fitting through this section even worse than before. And this is the way that the whisperers get in and out since they followed the air. I I think so. This is what they, this is their, at least one of the ways in and out. Okay. Well, it's not the way they got, the way they got the zombies in, right? I don't think so. No, there's gotta be another way for that. Well, wouldn't they use that way? It's probably has wider openings and a little more direct way to get to the, uh, the underground horde. Well, yeah, maybe, but this is the, there are probably, there are multiple passageways and this is the one that our group happened to find, right? They sort of got some bad luck with. With okay. the arrow they follow, this is the way I figure it. But right, but the arrow also takes them to uh, you know the entrance to the mine shaft, which they uh, they have to break into, right? So it can't be the complete way that the the whispers used to get in there. No, yeah. yeah, that's true. I don't know. I mean, they made a wrong turn somewhere, right? Maybe they missed, missed an, arrow. an arrow. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Anyways, they all, um, you know, Daryl makes it out the other side, followed by Magna and then Kelly. Uh, Carol's in there. She starts hyperventilating cause she's freaking out and she thinks she can't make it, but Connie is behind her and she kind of calms her down. And eventually Carol pushes her way through towards Daryl, who's already out and Carol makes it. And this is when Jerry notices some zombies crawling through towards them. I couldn't tell if they were coming up behind him or from the side somehow, but either way, they've kind of come out of nowhere and are coming at him. And now Aaron and Connie make it out. Uh, The zombies are right behind Jerry. He appears to be stuck and the zombies are at his feet. Um, So Aaron suggests he take his gear off, which he does, which allows him to fit through. Eventually, Daryl helps pull and they get him out. They check his feet. And even though it looks like his boots are all torn up and he's bleeding or something like that, apparently there are no bites, so he'll be okay. Yeah. 
Okay, so here's a here's something I want you to do, and a little experiment that I need you to uh, undertake. Okay, do I have to do it uh, right now? No, but in the next little while. Okay. Well, do you have work boots? Do you own work boots or combat boots? I mean, something pretty close, yeah. Okay, so I want you to take them. Let me know how long it takes you to chew through them. <laughs> I think it would take me a pretty long time. It didn't take these zombies very long to make giant bite-sized holes in his boots. You know, yeah. They're not super anim- mutants, right? They're just humans that are dead. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. Um, now, maybe Jerry's boots were pretty heavily deteriorated already. So they had these big ass holes in them and then they somehow got blood in the holes? Or listen, this is why he didn't actually get any bites on his feet because the zombies were actually unable to get all the way through the boots. They almost did it, but not quite. Yeah, but they had big holes in them. Look, man, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe his, like, he hasn't had new boots in a while and his soles were already peeling off and he's just lucky. Okay. All right. Let's, let's go with that. Gemma in South Wales writes, my holy crap moment was Jerry getting stuck and Walker's coming for him. I actually thought it was going to be another Noah stuck in the revolving door situation, which I never got over. I am also claustrophobic, so I could feel his panic and Carol's mounting fear. So yeah, what Gemma is saying is she was kind of expecting Jerry to be, you know, eaten alive feet first while stuck in a cave tunnel and that would have sucked, but he made it out. Yeah. And he was so stuck that he had enough room to take his gear off. Right. And presumably leave it in there, which sucks. Now he doesn't have whatever he was wearing that is pretty valuable probably. Yeah. Right. Anyways, from here, they're all outside of this tunnel now and they can finally see a little bit of daylight streaming through a hole in the top of the cave, which is exciting. And Magna starts to walk towards it and nearly falls off a cliff as she goes. Oops. Yes. Luckily, Daryl grabs her, pulls her back. And then in probably my least favorite single scene of this entire episode, he lights another zombie arm torch on fire, which, you know, I'm actually okay with, even though it's kind of silly. And he drops it down, revealing a big pit full of zombies. Yeah. And the reason I think this is dumb is because they can't hear the zombies until the torch falls and hits the bottom. And as soon as they can see them, they can also hear them. I'm pretty sure that's not how sound works. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. I didn't catch that. I was wondering why would you have a problem with this and not a problem with uh, this exact same situation in Indiana Jones when he dropped the, the, uh, the torch down into the snakes and said, I hate snakes. Well, my problem is that it's perfectly silent and then the torch falls down and as it falls, the sound fades up and as soon as we can see the zombies because of the torch, we can also hear them. But I'm sorry, I'm pretty sure you'd hear them anyways. Yeah. Nitpick? Yes, but come on. I think in Indiana Jones, he heard the snakes and that's why he dropped the torch. Makes sense. Right. You want to know where the snake sound is coming from. In this case, you want to know where the zombie sound is coming from. So you drop them down. Yeah. Um, it felt and like it was a prelude and in Indiana Jones, it was a prelude to them going into that snake pit. Literally. Now it's a, oh, it's a, it's a zombie pit. It's we were a, there already. Fuck it. Well, it's a zombie pit that becomes important, you know, 10 minutes from now. So remember yeah. these zombies. 
Uh, James in Pittsburgh, PA writes, holy crap, they found the mine from Scooby-Doo. It boggles my mind that the group picked a path of spelunking instead of trying to identify what has to be a massive entry point to move hundreds of walkers into the cave system. This is some of the worst decision making the show has displayed in some time. That's probably what I would end up doing is picking the wrong path and taking the most difficult path. Well, yeah, but I mean... If you know that there are thousands of zombies in there, like you said a minute ago, there's got to be another way to get them in because you're not like pushing them all through a tiny little tunnel. <laughs> yeah. So. Have you ever, um, there was a series of books back in, I forget, probably the eighties now called the, uh, uh, the book of swords by Fred Saberhagen. I just, just reminded me of that. The, the idea was that uh, the gods, the Greek gods, uh, made a bunch of swords and scattered them throughout humanity just to see what would happen. So these swords were insanely powerful. Like there was one called Shieldbreaker, which there was no no way to defend against it. If the guy was swinging at the guy who wielded it was swinging at you, you would die. Ooh. And there was uh, Farcaster, which basically uh, you took the sword and you said, I want to kill this guy. The sword would fuck off and kill that guy. <laughs> it's right? pretty it handy just sword. Do it. And there was uh, one sword called Wayfinder who, where you could use it and say, I want to go to this location or I want to find this and it would take you there, but it would always take you on the most dangerous path. Nice. It was pretty cool. So they all had really, really good, powerful, uh, aspects to them, but they also had flip sides where they were very dangerous. Like Shieldbreaker, for example, it took over, uh, was it Shieldbreaker or was it Town Saver? Anyway, one of the swords, um... If you tried to go up against somebody wielding this sword, you would die. There was no way the sword would take over and uh, would swing away until whoever was opposing you was dead, but only if they were wielding a weapon. If they weren't wielding a weapon, the sword could not hurt them. So you could go at this guy unarmed and be completely safe against the sword and then just beat the shit out of the guy. Okay. So the swords all had uh, really good, powerful aspects. Anyway, just reminded me of this, that email reminded me of Wayfinder uh, that would always take you on the most dangerous path. Sure, you, you'd get there, but shit, you got to be careful. <laughs> it's pretty tough. Yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, uh, the Book of Swords, it was like the first Book of Swords, the second Book of Swords, great series of books, kind of fell away before it actually finished. I think, I'm not sure what happened, but the series never actually finished, but uh, it was good while it lasted. Fred Saberhagen. Look it up. Okay, cool. Well, we go to a commercial break, and when we come back, our group breaks through a wooden barrier, and this is when it became clear to me that they are now in a mine because there's, you know, mining supplies and wooden supports and stuff like that all over the place. Did you notice that when they were pulling the boards out, that they were all, like the entire, the barrier that they were breaking through was built from the cave side like if all the nails were hammered in from the cave side, not the mine side. So they, they somehow built it backwards. Some poor bastard uh, went into the cave from the mine shaft and hammered all those pieces of wood in so that he could no longer get into the mine shaft and was stuck in the cave system. Well, I mean, maybe the whispers did that as they were making their way through looking for passages and tunnelways. Right. So they used the crappiest hundred year old wood they could find. Totally. <laughs> All right. Anyway, it was backwards. Yeah. Just saying. I didn't notice, but that's dumb. Uh, they get in there and Magna is still kind of impatient and she's 
you know, just wanting to get out as fast as possible. Uh, but Connie says they have to be very careful not to take out the wrong piece and risk collapsing the entire place, mm-hmm. which you don't want to do. It's a mine shaft. Yeah. They're dangerous. Up in the Whisperer camp, Beta reveals that Gamma never made it to the border. You know, they sent her out there and she never made it. So Alpha says that she thinks Gamma is the spy and Beta wants to kill her, but Alpha decides that she wants to deal with her um, herself while the pack watches. So they just have to find her and bring her back. Back in the mine, they start to dig their way out. Kelly finds a box of dynamite. She picks some up, but Jerry, in his, you know, funny way, tells her to put it back very carefully because it's sweatier than he is. Yeah. Nobody, everybody should remember Arst. Everyone should, but can you remind me what the deal is with sweating dynamite? It sweats pure nitroglycerin, which is very uh, explosive uh, when uh, impacted. Okay. So dynamite just does this over time if it sits for too long? That's the TV theory. Okay, got it. I don't know what the real theory is, but that's the TV theory is that it sweats pure nitroglycerin. So if you knock it about, it explodes. Okay. So you got to be very, very careful. Yeah. Yep. Very. Um, Just remember what happened to Arst. I do know what happened to Arst. Connie's looking around. She notices an empty bird cage. So there's no living birds down there, (laughs) which is a bad sign. Which is why you don't have open flames in mine shafts. Right. Because of toxic gases. Toxic gases. kill birds and- when the canary dies, you, d- you get the fuck out. And yeah, exactly. It kills people too. Um, Magna reveals to Aaron that she's so anxious to get out of there because she left things poorly with Yumiko and she regrets this. So if you remember, they had their argument. They're not having a very good time lately. And I guess Magna feels bad about that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, they're going to use this experience for Magna to kind of foster a big change in her personality. And that, that's kind of what I was thinking when I watched this, that they're going to, Magna's going to come out of this somehow and be less grumpy all the time and more appreciative of what she has. I, that's the feeling I got when she brought this up at this moment for some reason. Hmm. I'm I don't, not sure that happens generally for dire life-threatening situations. You well, come out of it generally I, happier and more accepting of stuff that's going on. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but in TV world, I, I feel like it's the kind of thing they might do. You know, this, this is a traumatic near-death experience and she'll come out the other end being like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I was a bitch to you. Um, you know, let's be happy from now on. But I don't know. We'll, ha- we'll have to see where it goes. Have you ever been in a dire, life-threatening situation that you've gotten out of? <sighs> Why? Thankfully, I don't really think so. Okay. I mean, I, I can only recall one in my life, and that was uh, uh, paddling a canoe across a lake in a lightning storm and having lightning strike a tree like maybe a couple hundred meters away. Well, that's not good. No, it's not good. And it was very scary. scary. And we got across there, <laughs> and uh, the only feeling I recall and have afterwards was, holy shit, was that ever stupid? I like, I think I've been actually pretty close to lightning strikes. I, I feel like. I have been, maybe not, but I was caught in a thunderstorm one time with a friend of mine and it was in the city. So lightning doesn't usually strike things that close to the ground in the city because there are big buildings and tall trees, at least in where we were. Um, but good God, the, the lightning that hit 
felt like it was pretty close to us, but it probably yeah. wasn't. Well, it's still, you'd be surprised at how close it was. Yeah, and it it was certainly scary, but anyways. Um, we go up to Negan, and he's sitting on a tree carving bark off of a fallen tree. I don't know what he's doing. He's he's preparing the log for, uh, I don't know, he's, is he going to make a house? I'm not sure. I, he's clearing bark off of a log. They gave him a tool to do it. Well, like, it's not a sword or a knife or anything. It's got handles on both ends. It's meant to carve the bark off a log or to okay. you know, prepare wood for construction. I, I don't know why they would have this tool since they're all living in the woods and they're all animals and they don't build houses, but whatever. <laughs> but whatever. Okay. Well, Alpha comes and leads him away for a private conversation. And as they're walking, Negan's mouthing off about secret whisperer handshakes and stuff like that. She tells him to stop, to stop. Uh, but not to look back. And then she tells him to take off all of his clothes. Mm -hmm. So Negan strips. And as he does this, of course, he talks about making himself into a monster because that's what the world needed, which I think was an interesting self-reflection by Negan here, right? He's like, this is what- Accepting that he was a monster? Exactly. And saying, but this is what had to be done, or at least the way I saw things, this is what had to be done. All right. So years of imprisonment has improved his- Outlook. A little bit, yeah. Um, and he says he built something and he saved people, right? He said that before. He does think he uh, saved people. Now, while he's talking, it was pretty clear to me that he thinks he's about to be executed. Yeah. Right? He I thinks, mean, why, why make somebody disrobe before you execute them, though? Well, it's add insult to injury, I suppose, but he thinks he's about to be killed. But when he turns around, Alpha is also naked. And she calls him crass, but says that this is his crass reward. So this made me upset. For what reason? Uh, specifically <laughs> that- maybe the obvious. <laughs> the, the media has portrayed sex as a reward for something. And it's not. It shouldn't be. Uh, and that's it. Okay. No, no, it shouldn't be. Definitely. Um, it's not something you give to somebody else. It's definitely not something you take and it's not supposed to be a reward for deeds well done. You don't deserve sex for doing something good. No, I, I would agree with that, but Alpha appears to be in complete control here. So it's not like, I mean, it's her decision to do this. Absolutely. I just, I think that she phrased it or the writers phrased it in such a way that makes me upset because they portrayed this in the media this way. Mm. If she had simply said, I'm horny, I would <laughs> like to have sex with you. I've taken off my clothes to entice you into, uh, fornicating. Maybe, you know, written a little better. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little, but yeah. if, you know, at least she said something like that, I'd be fine with this whole situation. But phrasing it in a, I, you know, you're, you're crass. I thought I'd give you a crass reward and well, him being all on board saying, you know, it has been a while. Well, I mean, she does say that it took courage to suggest that Gamma was the spy. Um, I mean, I guess that doesn't make it any better, but that's kind of what she's doing. Uh, then she approaches him and of course he's Negan. So he's joking around about it being some sort of praying mantis situation where she'll, you know, cut his head off after they're done. And she tells him to stop talking. They kiss. And then we get a wide shot of the two of them in a standing naked embrace. 
Mm-hmm. We sure do. We sure do. So I'm okay with this situation in general, just the way that they phrased it. Upset. Yeah. Okay. I, I can sort of see that, but I don't know. Uh, there's, there's something, I mean, there's, there's definitely, uh, it's definitely consensual on both sides, obviously. Yes. So there's, there's no problem there, but I suppose if you're opposed to the idea of sex as a reward, then you might be uncomfortable about it. It's just the media portraying it in this way. It's not that the, even if it was just two individuals, uh, you know, playing, you know, if I took off all my clothes and said to my wife, I want to give you a reward, you know, that's playful. That's fine. It's two consenting adults. It's fine. It's the fact that it happened on TV. That bugs me. Well, but I mean, if it can happen in real life and be okay, why can't it happen on TV and be okay? Because I'm not portraying it to other people. I'm not broadcasting what I just said about, you know, a joke about, you know, giving you a reward uh, as a way of portraying a sex act. Well, fair enough. But (laughs) I mean, the TV show is trying to depict real life, right? And if this can happen in real life, why can't it happen on TV? But it can be misinterpreted by people, right? right. It can be misinterpreted yeah. by uh, impressionable people that think that, uh, you know, sex can be a reward. Okay, but don't forget, this is a TVMA show. Smart, responsible, grown adults are watching it. If you're, if you're like 13-year-old is watching it, then maybe that's the problem, not the fact that the right. show depicted it. It's not for kids. It could be. You know, it's happened in other, in other I TV know and, and movies and stuff like that. So, and it pisses me off then too. It's, it has nothing to do with two consenting adults talking in a way and consenting to sex. Uh, that's all fine. It's the fact that uh, the writers of a television show decided to portray it this way. Got it. Okay. That's well, it. I got a few holy craps around this moment, as you might imagine. Sure. And Anna in Shropshire says, Shropshire? Shropshire? My holy crap for this week's episode is more of a yuck than a holy crap. <laughs> and it is, ew, Negan and Alpha. I did not need to see that. <laughs> and then a friend of the show, Adam in Texas writes, holy crap, Negan and Alpha hooking up. So what's their celebrity power couple nickname going to be? I'm guessing Nelfa. <laughs> I, don't, I would put Agin. No, that doesn't work as well. <laughs> I like Alpha's Nelfa. Alpha, so she has to go first, right? Oh, okay. Agin? No. Ag- a- a- Algin? <laughs> I don't think we've come up with anything better than Nelfa so far. Anyway, take your dead person face off if you're going to have sex. Uh, that is a good point. Well, yeah. I guess it depends on what you're into. Negan said he's kind of into it. Yeah. Okay, he, that's fine. He, he I mean, said the, you know, the dead person... Doesn't, but they were, they were a zombie before. They're not really consenting to anything at that point. Right, right. It's still gross. Of course. And then Dan in Durant, Iowa called this the grossest scene the show has ever done. <laughs> <laughs> and that is saying something. Did Greg, Greg Nicotero direct this one? Uh, no, he did not. But huh. <laughs> yeah, interesting. <laughs> Uh, before we go to a commercial break, we quickly go back into the mine and they break through to the outside. Um, and, uh, Daryl suddenly realizes that Carol isn't around. Uh Oh, where has she gone? Oh no. The claustrophobic person decided to not leave the situation where that was causing her extreme anxiety. Yeah. To run out, run out on her own. Yeah. 
So after the commercial break, we have Carol making her way across this very precarious section of rock with the zombie horde below her. And this, I guess, is the same place where Magna almost walked off the cliff earlier. She has some dynamite, of course. She climbs along a bit, puts the dynamite in a crevice in the rock out of her line of sight, because that's just where it fits, I suppose. She goes to light it, like totally blind. She can't see the dynamite. She's not holding it. She's just reaching in with a, with a lit match. Um, but of course, fumbles the match and almost falls off, but catches herself. She's hanging there above the zombies. Then somebody appears to rescue her. And of course, it's Daryl. And she says she was trying to take out half the horde. Uh, this is after he pulls her up. Um, she's clearly distressed. She mentions that Alpha killed her boy. Um, and honestly, this is the first moment where I kind of felt like Carol's actions were justified a little bit because she lost a child, right? And she's right. so traumatized by this because Alpha killed her son, Henry, um, her adopted son, Henry. And this is why she's been behaving like this, which I can kind of understand. Losing a child would be the worst trauma you can experience just about. Yeah, I, I, can, I, think. I can see that. Right. So this kind of explained Carol's actions to me a little bit, and I felt slightly better about it because up until now I was like, Jesus, Carol, get it together. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this is, this helps explain it. Now she reaches for the dynamite, but it falls and explodes when it hits the ground, I guess. And this causes the mind to start collapsing. Uh, Jerry, who is by the sort of exit hole they've found, he ends up holding up this massive, heavy cross beam. You know, he's holding it up very heroically. Um, Magna and Connie, who are there, they run back in looking for Daryl and Carol. Uh, meanwhile, Kelly gets out, has to kill some whisperers, and then Aaron makes it out to help her as well. Bromi on the internet writes, holy crap, Alpha's stay behinds got wiped the fuck out. The Whisperers have totally lost their element of surprise and it's got to be hard to fight well in those damn masks. And he's, well, re he's referring to Kelly getting out there and just taking out the, uh, the Whisperers who attack her quite easily. Yeah. That's because our intrepid heroes have been practicing fighting. Right? That's true. Remember the the beginning of the uh, the season they were they were practicing fighting maneuvers. They're training. They're training for this battle whereas the whispers are all about uh you know sending wave upon wave mm -hmm. of zombies and walking around quietly. Yeah. Uh, so they are absolutely not prepared for uh this fight. Okay. Well, that makes some sense then. Good. So now inside the cave they've returned with Carol and Daryl and Carol make it out. So they're out now. Hooray. Jerry is still holding this thing up, you know, struggling to hold it up. Magna says that she sees more skins and walks back into the tunnel to kill them, I guess. And Connie follows her to help. Yeah, it was awesome too, by the way. I really liked that. What about it was her, awesome? Or her walking through the dirt and such, just confidently and not running and just, uh, you know, moving towards battle. Magna? It was, it was pretty, yeah, Magna. It was pretty cool. I, I must admit, she did have quite the walk 
it, w it was an interesting shot, right? It was dark, but there was a little bit of light behind her because of the hole out to the surface. And she just walks at the camera, swinging her hips with a great amount of confidence. Let's just put it that way. It reminded me of the, uh, the German lady in Die Hard 2. What was her character's name? Katya? I don't know. It's been a while. With the knife. Remember she was just slicing everybody up? She just was slow and confident and uh, was a killing machine. All right. Well, that's Magna what was that here. Three? It was Die Hard 3. I'm sorry. The one in New York City. It's, I haven't, I've watched the original Die Hard recently, but not any of the others. So I don't really remember. Okay. So Die Hard 2 took place at the airport. Yeah. Airplane. Yeah. And then Die Hard 3 had Samuel L. Jackson in it and they were running all over Manhattan. I don't know, man. Which was the one with, uh, the, the bad Kevin. guy was trying to steal all the gold from underneath the, uh, the New York bank. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. It's been a while. Is that the one with Kevin Smith or was that Die Hard 4? Uh, I, I don't remember Die I've written off all the Die Hards past three. <laughs> okay. And I'm a little angry and ashamed that you don't know Die Hard 2 from Die Hard 3 and are confused about which one. I think you need to do some Die Hard research well, and go back. Okay, maybe, but is like nothing surpasses Die Hard 1, right? Well, no, of course not. Okay. But Die Hard 3 was better than Die Hard 2. Oh, really? Yeah. They were running all over New York. They, okay. Well, I don't Simon, remember it. Simple Simon, the Pyman. <laughs> no. They were trying to steal all the, they had dump trucks full of gold. I'll go back and watch it and get back to you. I'm, uh, I'm flabbergasted. Anyway. All right. We'll move on. Yes. Uh, so what happens? Magna, yeah, they walk into, uh, to kill the, the skins as Magna calls them. Jerry leaves the beam and is pulled out by Aaron. So now only Connie and Magna are still stuck in the mine. Uh, as they run away from the hole, the rest of the dynamite explodes, collapsing the mine and trapping or possibly killing Connie and Magna inside. Yeah, right. I know they're trapped, but <laughs> hey, if a mine did collapse, there's a pretty good chance they'd be killed in real life. I'm, I'm kind of glad and disappointed that Jerry made it out of the cave. Because he, that really seemed like a Hodor moment to me, where he was holding up that beam and he was screaming and having, letting everybody else get out. And apparently that beam had a, a delay on it for when it was dropped to between then and when the actual mine collapsed. Yeah. And to tease us with Jerry stuck in the tunnel and make it out alive and then make him the, yeah, the hero holding up the, the beam while everyone else escapes. I, it does feel like Jerry kind of survived, you know, against the odds here. Yeah. So that's what I mean. He, I'm glad he's out because I like Jerry as a character. I would like to see him continue on the show, uh, for as long as possible, but I'm disappointed because he was in two dire situations that, uh, he probably shouldn't have gotten out of. Yeah, probably. Well, maybe it means they're going to like surprise us with the Jerry death soon, sooner than but later yeah. when you, when you don't see it coming. He had two hero moments here. <laughs> right? How can you top the hero moment, uh, the, the hero moments that we've had in this show where his death would have meant something? It would have prevented the zombies from getting through that hole and, or it would have, it saved everybody by him holding up that beam and sacrificing himself. Well, maybe they cancel each other out and he's going to live forever now. I don't oh, know. Oh, I see. That's, a, that, that's true. If yeah. you have two hero moments, it means nothing. Right. You have one big hero moment then you're dead and awesome. Right. So he's, he's not there. Anyways, uh, outside of the mine, the group starts freaking out, of course, because it just collapsed, collapsed. 
Daryl starts trying to move like little rocks, but of course it's hopeless. He can't, you know, dig into the mine again. Kelly is crying and realizes that the blast is going to attract walkers from miles around. So they got to get out of there. Um, Daryl goes to walk past Carol, but she stops him and prompts him to say that this is all her fault. She's begging him to say, blame me. This is because of me. She really seems to have finally kind of broken down here entirely, but Daryl won't say it. And he tells everybody to go home. Yeah. It's not about you. Yeah. Go home. So self-centered. Yeah. This yeah. is all about you. Well, Dan in Columbus, Ohio writes, holy crap, that Daryl breakdown at the end with Carol was brutal. He wanted to lash out in hurt so bad, but cares for Carol so much. I hope this moment rocks Carol and helps her see her actions have consequences. And I think she does realize that now after everything that she's gone through, but she's also started to realize kind of where her desire for revenge is coming from. So hopefully she can start yeah. dealing with that. Yeah. Hopefully she, this is rock bottom, right? Hopefully she's bottomed out and can uh, come back from this. I feel like it might be for sure. Yeah. So Aaron questions what Daryl is doing, where he's going. And he says that there's got to be another way in. So he's going to search for this other way in so he can rescue Connie and Magna. And the rest of the group leaves with Carol left staring, standing there in despair at the collapsed mine. We cut to black and that's it for this episode. Yeah. You know how hard it is to find an entrance to a cave? Like if you just like... I know there's an interest around here someplace and I go looking for it. That's got to be damn near impossible. Yeah. Just to randomly start looking for it. But that's what Daryl's doing. He just figures there's got to be another way in. Um, it's Daryl. So I imagine it's not going to actually be that hard for him. He's going to find another way in and somehow rescue these two. Well, yeah. I mean, Daryl has a team of script writers to help him find it. Right. And he's in you and me would be just like, well, Man, that'd be hot. That'd be tough. He's an expert tracker. Don't forget. So maybe he can follow trails left by whisperers. That would help. That also would help. Yeah. The best way to do it is to, you know, uh, you've seen the Wizard of Oz, right? Yes. I'm, I'm starting to get worried about uh, the movies you've seen and remember at this point. <laughs> but you know, the yellow brick road that I starts do. in a spiral. Yes. Okay. So that's how you need to find things. You start right at this entrance to the mine shaft that has collapsed and you start walking in ever larger spirals mm -hmm. and you keep going out and out and out and out and out until you find what you're looking for. Well, that's the best way to cover all of the area, right? Yeah. Good. Well, maybe he's going to do that. He's not a dummy. No. But also <laughs> raises the question, uh, where does the red brick, brick road go? Right? Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. The yellow brick road in between the yellow parts was red parts. Which mm -hmm. means there's a red brick road goes somewhere. Oh, well, you got to follow it to find out. Yeah. Well, here we are, mid-season premiere. Um, Jason, I wouldn't be surprised if Connie and Magna are separated from the rest of the group for a while, at least a bunch of episodes, because I'm, I started thinking, and I think maybe this will make um, Magna's reunion with Yumiko even that much stronger. I said earlier how like this is going to be sort of a change to Magna's character, I suspect, but a big part of that is going to be her reunion. And if they're separated for a long time or everybody thinks they're dead, she's dead for a while, then 
I think it's going to make their reunion a lot stronger. And I think this applies to having Connie stuck in there. I'm going to make a prediction right now that Daryl, when he finally does, um, or when he is finally reunited with Connie, he's going to, for the first time in 10 years, admit that he has, you know, feelings for another person and he's actually in love with Connie. And I kind of look forward to that, to be honest with you. As long as he doesn't offer her sex as a reward for getting out of that situation. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's going to rescue her, so maybe she'll offer him sex for, as a reward for rescuing her. Well, I sure hope that doesn't happen either. Either way that, yeah, that would feel pretty wrong. (laughs) Well, I do know what I want out of this situation. Tell me. Is I don't want to see either of them until they get out of that fucking cave. You don't want- I don't want to see that cave anymore. I want to be done with the cave. I want to move on. I want to try and forget about- my anger. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with you. Like the cave annoyed me, but partly a big part of it was just that it was so dark and I just hate it when episodes are all done at night or all done in the dark. I like good lighting. It's just a thing. Right. Um, but yeah, the cave was a little bit silly. I'm glad that they mostly, well, I'm very happy that they mostly got out of this cave in this episode. Right. Can you oh, imagine if they were stuck in there for three episodes and we had to, to deal with them wandering around, not knowing what to do? Oh, that would have been brutal. I, I would have had a hard time raising the willpower to watch the next episode. Well, I mean, I, I'd make you. It would happen. Yeah. But only out of sheer necessity. Uh, it well, would be tough. I'm, let, gl- I'm also glad that they're out of the cave in this episode. I, I hate to say this, but I do think we might get some more cave slash mine stuff with just uh connie and magna in there but let's hope not too much as long as we don't get a bottle episode with just them (laughs) just the two of them sure just go easy on the cave you know walking dead that's what we want back away from the cave back away from the cave but anyways um i am I am excited for the Daryl and Connie relationship that I'm predicting. I want to see this happen. I think, you know, Daryl has changed a lot. He's, he's had a lot more to do in the last couple seasons. And I think maybe it's time. And, uh, this will be the thing that makes him realize that, you know what? It's okay to become, uh, interested in another person and, and have some feelings for another person. So I'm excited for that. I look forward to it. Yeah, that'd be good. We'll see what happens. Um, Okay, well, that's it. That is this episode. So not the best one in the world, but I found some things to like in here, and I am just happy that The Walking Dead is back and that we are sort of done with the cave and we can get back to the awesomeness that Angela Kang has been bringing to this show for a while now. So the cave maybe have been a little bit of a misstep, but hopefully we're through it. Yeah, I can say without a doubt that this has been the most underground episode we've had so far of The Walking Dead. A hundred percent agree. <laughs> yeah. Very good. So I we will be back on Thursday later this week with our listener feedback. So of course you need to send in some feedback. Keep doing that. Send in calls, emails, whatever. Um, just before we end here, I want to mention that, <laughs> and you know, I've said before that I hate doing this, but our podcast schedule is going to be wacky over the next month or so. So we will have feedback um, this week for the premiere. 
we will have um, episode 10, a regular recap, and then a regular feedback episode. And then I'm going to be away out of town for two weeks. Two weeks? On a two-week road trip with the family. It's going to be awesome. We are driving from Toronto to Florida. We are going to... Harry Potter World at Universal Studios in Florida. Both kids are massive Harry Potter fans. I make a point not to call them potheads because that doesn't sound right <laughs> for a 13 and a 10 year old. But Potter, they are Potterheads. Potterheads, whatever. We're driving. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a fun road trip, but we are going to be on the road. We are going to be out of town. Now, that means that for those two weeks, we will have regular recap episodes recorded from the mobile talking dead podcast studios but i don't think we're going to be able to do the feedback those two weeks so i apologize for that but it is what it is i'm afraid maybe we'll do a big catch-up feedback or something when i'm back but we'll have to figure that out i just mentioned that now though to let everyone know and uh give you fair warning i guess level set <laughs> expectations sure okay but um, for the next, for this week and next week, we'll definitely do feedback. So don't worry about that. Speaking of feedback, if you want to get in touch and send that in, you can do so by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on send voicemail at the top. That allows you to record an audio message right into your computer. You can also use your phone, use the voice memo app, record your thoughts and send those in via email. That's a really great way to get high quality recordings. Um, that email address is talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com for any kind of email correspondence you want to send in. And of course, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. So we'll be back in a couple days with the feedback episode. Um, that's it. It's great to have The Walking Dead back. And uh, it's going to be an exciting back half of this season. So lots to look forward to. But until later this week, thank you for tuning in, everyone. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.